Good evening, dummies. Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. Wonderful to have you. Please don't leave. Just because I called you dummies, you'll understand in a second. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. This is episode 240. We're going to be talking about healthcare heroes, first responders, the front line, the backbone of America. Why a year, 18 months ago, they were the heroes that we all wanted, stronger than the Avengers, and now they're being criminalized. Why? We're going to go into it tonight. Stick around. It should be a fun show tonight. I'll see you right after these messages. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, welcome to Don't Unfriend Me in episode 240. Allergies are getting me tonight, so my voice is a little hoarse. Plus, the Astros are getting shellacked. I think it's over. Their pitching blew a couple tires, and I think it's done. But either way, it doesn't matter. It's good to be here with you tonight. What is Don't Unfriend Me, and what do we do here? Well, Don't Unfriend Me has a couple of rules. It's pretty simple. You can love me, you can hate me, you can agree, you can disagree, you just can't unfriend me, or at least I request that you don't. The next thing is, is I take personal experience and things I've been through in my life, and I put a show together and talk about current events and topics. I try to bring a balanced perspective, but I am a conservative, and I want to be completely transparent about that. What are dummies, and why did I call you dummies? Well, that is the Don't Unfriend Me Nation. It's an acronym. It was created by a user, and it simply says that you are a part of the club Just like Barstool Sports has stoolies, we have dummies. So whether you've watched one minute or whether you've watched 240 episodes after tonight, you are a dummy. Congratulations, and it's good to be here. Last but certainly not least, if you would not mind, join me on all my social media. It's at Don't Unfriend Me Show, and on Twitter, it is The Dumb Show, the D-U-M Show. Twitter has to be different because they are Twitter. Follow me over there. Give me a like, share, and subscribe. We are live every night at 8.30 or 20.30 Eastern Standard, most of the time, Monday through Friday. Let's get into the show tonight. Pardon my voice. I will power through as best as I can. Holding out for a hero. Two stories tonight. Both are polar opposites of the other, but they provide a clear delineation between a hero and a villain dichotomy. It was a foggy Saturday evening, and the sodium glow was casting an eerie glow through the misting haze, and the droplets of water were making everything damp and slick. But there was tag to be played, and my neighborhood was amazing, 20 to 30 kids all around the same age, within a rock throw of each other, and every weekend we played football, had epic gun battles, captured the flag, and on this particular night, tag The rules were simple. You had to stay on the block. You had to go to the furthest spot away from home base, which was a large tree with gnarly bark on the exterior. The team who was chasing was made up of five people. The first five tagged became the next chasing team, and whoever made it safe won. And then they were exempt from the rest of the game from having to be a chaser. And when we went through everyone, or we just got too tired, we stopped. 
Now, this wasn't an ordinary game of tag. This was physical, almost like hockey, and your knees were bloody cherries after getting taken down to the asphalt, or your hands felt like they hit a sanding block when you went face first into the blacktop. It was brutal, but fun. I clearly recall the game, and I was having a good run. I wasn't first, but I wasn't the bottom five either, and I remember being chased by my brother and a guy named Troy. Both were much older than me, but I was small and agile. As I came around the corner of Montgomery Street and then onto my street, which was Neath, I saw the tree clearly and I wasn't out of wind quite yet. As my foot went over the curb and onto the trapezoid cutout that housed very thick grass, I realized at that moment I never mowed the lawn that day like I was supposed to. And about at that time, the world flipped as I was looking it was really dense fog and pockets of the evening sky peeking out at me vertical. A moment before, I felt a large shove in the middle of my back, and the inertia carried my one foot across the wet blades of grass like an ice skater who touched the rink for the first time that day. I glided with no grace, and I fell on my back and slid headfirst into the tree. A few minutes later, I came uh, to with my dad applying a compress to my head, and my mom scrambling for her car keys. An emergency room trip was in progress, it seemed, and I had a laceration above my eye that was an inch long, and I was needing uh, help with that because I was bleeding profusely. As I was rushed to the emergency room, there seemed to be a lot of commotion, and the nurse who was looking after me seemed a little unnerved. Whether she was new or not mattered little. I just wanted to get out of there and back into the game, coach. As the doctor came in, he said I would need stitches. So they laid me down on the table, and the doc asked for the physoderm soap and water solution. This is the stuff that doesn't sting when washing a wound. Well, the nurse didn't grab that. She shot iodine straight into the opening, coming from a brown bottle with a white snap lid. I felt a searing pain rip through my skull, and my mother heard my scream from behind the curtain, and she immediately entered. I clearly saw the iodine label on the bottle between the tears and controlled effort not to black out. My mother was yelling and the doctor was yelling and I would have been yelling if I could get past even a subtle whisper. The nurse apologized profusely as she grabbed what appeared to be another brown bottle with a white lid. The little red punch it label was on the other side and I couldn't read it if I tried. As she squirted this solution into my wound, again, I felt like a hot brand was stuck in my eyeball and down my neck. This time, she used rubbing alcohol. First off, why in the hell do they have not have different bottles for different things? And why is my mother being escorted out by security at this point? And why was the room spinning? That was my first experience with a nurse. And in all intents and purpose, she was the villain of the evening for sure. The second time I was to have surgery on my neck for a thyroid issue, and I was terrified of this process and had no desire to go through with it at all. But when you're a kid, you don't get to make the choices. As I entered the hospital, I saw a beautiful girl. She wore a pink striped nurse's outfit, and her name was Wendy. She was a mix between Ali Sheedy and Phoebe Cates. Right. She stayed with me the entire day and always held my hand through the paperwork, the waiting room, the prep room, and finally, surgery. I also had a stuffed tiger with me named Tig, and he was my favorite, and I carried him absolutely everywhere. She was incredible. 
and I would have walked off a ledge if she would have asked me. One hand in hers, of course, and the other dragging Tig. When the, uh, when the mask went on and I began to count backwards, I honestly was so damn scared. They took my tiger away and Wendy couldn't go in the room with me. I was alone and afraid. As I inhaled the cool chemical-laced air, I slowly fell into nothing. When I awoke, my throat felt kind of like it does right now. It was on fire and it wasn't connected to my head anymore, I was sure. But I got to eat ice cream all day long and watch reruns. That was good. You probably are wondering where Wendy was at this time. Well, we had a torrid love affair as we carried away ourselves to Jamaica. That's a lie. I was young, a boy can dream, right? As I opened my eyes, I saw my mom and dad over me. And in the corner, I delightfully saw that adorable nurse's hat. That was Wendy holding Tig. And just like me, his neck was wrapped in bandages. And she smiled and handed him to me and explained how brave Tig was and that I was too. It was a perfect conclusion to a very scary situation, and that nurse received hero status that day. Why the parallels between both stories? Well, because both are important, because both are based on completely different perspectives. There is a very good chance that the stars align just the right way for both nurses that day, casting one in darkness and the other in light. And depending upon the situation, Wendy could have been some other kid's wonderful time or a nightmare and which Beatrice brewing up concoctions to liquefy the small child that I was maybe been of someone else's horrid nightmare or dream. But the events and experience and perspective all play a part in the good, the bad, and the indifferent that we all experience. But the truth is both nurses are indeed heroes. The singularities are not the pivotal number here. The collective good is, and nurses, police, firefighters, EMT, military, and anyone who puts their life on the line or safety for others is indeed a hero. There are no capes or web slingers in the real world. There are no radioactive spiders or vats of goo that will turn the average into the heroic. It takes a certain person to do the job that they do. We can fall back to a year ago, and I can recall the amazing support that our healthcare workers received, a hero's welcome when they exited their doors to go to work, flowers and other niceties delivered to the staff, news spots and advertisements portraying nurses as the last line of defense from COVID. They worked for 24 to 72 hours straight. Their faces were chapped and raw from the constant rubbing of masks on their nose and cheeks, and all the while, it was good enough then. They faced the unknown and had no idea the true severity of this disease, and yet they showed up every day, and it was good enough then. They watched as hundreds died and beds filled up, not knowing when they would see their family again or if they would harm them if they did. Yet, it was all good enough then. Now we have forgotten what they did for us and how they stood for us when we couldn't stand for ourselves. And not everyone was impacted by COVID, but every nurse was impacted by COVID from its aftermath and saw firsthand how terrible something like this can be from the mental and physical jeopardy. And who are any of us to question their loyalty or decision making? Now the leftists in the community have turned against our nurses and healthcare workers. Thousands have been fired and laid off to work in what is supposed to be the worst pandemic the world has ever seen. And it just doesn't make much sense. 
but there is an unspoken toll that has been paid and it far it is far more serious than occupation or what is fair and just it is what isn't being discussed and nobody wants to step up and be to these heroes what they were for us in mythology and folklore a hero is a person of superhuman qualities and often semi-divine origin for too many of them however the greatest threat posed by COVID-19 is to their mental well-being. Nightly applause and online discounts, promotional tchotchke items, and an ice cream truck in front of the hospital scooping complimentary sweets are niceties to receive, but they do not address the immense pressure that medical workers face during this pandemic and every day. Many are treating sick and dying patients at an un sustainable rate in apocalyptic oh apocalyptic scenarios before the covid-19 pandemic many medical workers already struggled with mental health crises more than half of us physicians suffered from work related burnout or depression with acute care specialties such as emergency medicine being among the hardest hit a combined third of us nurses reported feeling unengaged or burned out at work and emergency medical service workers develop post-traumatic stress disorder at up to nearly double the rate of the rest of the population. It's estimated that every year, 300 to 400 physicians die by suicide, a number equal to a doctor a day. The circumstances and unprecedented demands of the pandemic on frontline medical workers has had an amplified existing mental distress to them. Research on healthcare workers caring for patients with COVID-19 shows alarming rates of depression, anxiety, burnout, insomnia. Stigma is what prevents us from asking for help. The culture of medicine dictates that doctors suppress any emotions that don't match the stoic and unflappable image they are taught by example to maintain at all times. As a result, many physicians do not seek professional help for mental health issues. In addition to the stigma, doctors, nurses, and emergency medics fear career repercussions for seeking mental health and counseling. Repercussions can range from being considered weak by colleagues to hiring discrimination and loss of their medical or nursing license based on state board questions about mental illness. This fear around seeking mental health treatment causes some to drive hours to see a therapist outside their state pay in cash, and use a fake name to avoid a paper trail. The fear causes many to hide the very thing that makes all of us human. Those on the medical front line should not have to ask for help in the first place. Under normal conditions, they endure a psychological toll. With COVID-19, their daily responsibility for the lives and deaths of others has intensified and led to hopelessness and psychological trauma. Their need for psychological support should be obvious. In fact, help should be mandatory. If doctors and nurses fighting the COVID-19 pandemic were required to have at least one hour of counseling with a therapist every two weeks, they would be better equipped to serve the public and preserve their careers and mental health. But public health officials and hospital administrators should take the initiative now to assign a mental health provider to every single frontline worker, whether they want one or not. We know that many who need help will never ask for it, but if mental health care were mandated for everyone, the stigma would lose its power 
and mental health assistance would be a part of a healthcare worker's normal professional process and just may help veterans and officers and firefighters get the help they need as they set the example for other heroes. Undoubtedly, some medical professionals would reject being required to receive mental health support, confident in their ability to handle the stress, but instead of relying on a worker's resilience and ability to bounce back from the stress on their own, we should address the issues that keep them from seeking mental health support in the first place. One way is to normalize it by requiring it for everyone. In ancient mythologies and Hollywood films, a hero always receives help from their journey. This can come in the form of supernatural items such as Black Panther's vibranium suit or Wonder Woman's bracelet and lasso and Thor's hammer. When the hero is an ordinary person, they receive a set of allies as Frodo did before setting out on his journey to Mordor and a mentor like Obi-Wan Kenobi who guided Luke Skywalker on how to use the Force. These support systems enable heroism. heroism. Frontline healthcare workers are heroes in the truest sense of the word. They are brave and strong during the times of fear. They overcome obstacles thrown in their path and put the well-being of their patients before their own. The least we can do is provide support through mental health care that will help them in the journey through this current crisis and beyond. Because in the end, we have ostracized our military and suicides happen 22 times a day within the veteran community. We have demonized the police and we force them to do things they don't want to do, like leave. We call them every moniker in the book that is unfounded and baseless in its design. We have vilified our border patrol and abandoned the firefighters and EMT workers during 9-11 and the ailments they have posthumously. When we systematically destroy and tear down our heroes, we rip at the very fabric of sterling examples of who we should all aspire to be. We shouldn't be seeing thousands of officers abandoning their towns and cities due to hatred and atrocities that they have to face every night on their tour. We shouldn't be laying off heroes because they faced COVID with masks and practices that were good enough for 18 months, and now, because they have questions, are being cast aside like garbage during one of the most unstable times in recent memory. There is a time to claim villainy and another time to recognize heroism, but these times are not mutually exclusive. They should not be separated and reflected on apart. The villains are indeed the leftists and progressives who continue to bombard the best parts of our society and tear at the blanket of protection they provide. When in the case of an emergency, their names will be the first ones they call. We should call a spade a spade and not be afraid to categorize the true villains of this modern-day lynching and to also recognize and take over those who have already paid the price to reach hero status. Because all of them, from the beat cop to the firefighter to the nurse to the candy striper to the border agent to our men and women of the military, they have all tagged safe. And now it is time to let them catch their breath, slap them on the back or take them to the ER if they need, or let them have a respite. But either way, the game has been played and they are all winners. And the losers should aspire to show just a fraction of the courage that they demonstrate every day and stop vilifying our heroes. Folks, that's it for Don't Unfriend Me tonight. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate your comments and your support. As always, I will go out like I always do with 
the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Veterans are too damn important. 22 veterans commit suicide a day, as I mentioned earlier. Please give them your support. Please help them make that connection by providing this number. PTS, stress, anxiety, depression are all real, but they are curable and fixable if we just have them talk to somebody. If you could provide this number, I would appreciate it. If they will not talk, please reach out to me. I will make that call with you. And if that doesn't work, then can go to don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the link. It's 100% confidential. And it's not just for veterans. If you're a civilian, they will not turn you away as well. Give VCL a call. Folks, again, if you would do me a favor and like, share, and subscribe on all my channels, I would greatly appreciate it. I will be back tomorrow on Tuesday. Actually, I won't. I'm at the uh, Avalanche Capitals game. I will not be on tomorrow. Maybe I'll stream from the game or in the car or something. But for right now, I won't be on, but I will see you Wednesday night. I can't wait to see you. Remember, you can love me, you can hate me, you can agree, you can disagree. Just don't unfriend me if you would be so kind. Stick around. I'm going to go live with all your comments, and I'll be right back.